And there are some practices that are doing a great job with that. And those technicians have autonomy and they're, they're, you know, doing a basic physical exam and saying, yeah, this puppy's eating and drinking and feeling good. We can go ahead and, and booster this vaccine. And they're educating the clients on what needs to happen next. And if we can take that and run with it and implement that in more practices, that's, I think, where we start with yeah. this. And we're not going anywhere close to outside the Practice Act. We're just utilizing these technicians for what they can do. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. And together we're the Per Podcast. Yes, we are the Per <laughs> Podcast. You're listening to the right podcast, the best podcast in feline medicine and yeah. surgery. Yeah. And we're very excited today because we have the second time only, mm-hmm. hopefully there will be more in the future, but a veterinary technician joining us mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I almost called you doctor. Look at that. I know. I don't need a promotion. No. <laughs> My gosh. Maybe she has a PhD. You know? Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Someday. Why not? We are, we are so pleased to have Megan Brashear with us. Yes. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. Even if even if we can't call you doctor. Yeah, exactly. not yet. <laughs> but she's a double award winner. Yeah. She is. So yes. that works too for We're me. We're in the presence of greatness. I know. It's going to be very exciting. There was a question from the the audience a little bit about the judging part mm-hmm. um, that when you have a case where you're now balancing about the welfare of the animal mm-hmm. and the choice of the owner. And I can give you an example. I had, you know, really early in my career, I had a case where uh, this dog was shot and he had a complete, you know, avulsion of his spinal cord couldn't Ugh. walk and we treated this dog for months and months and months and months and oh. months the owner refused to pick it up and you know after you know six months later he Ugh. picked it up and and took it home but those cases also frustrate you on the other side of the yes picture. so how do you deal with that um those are really difficult those mm. i think are the the most challenging cases and i continue to tell myself that these owners are having such a difficult time with this decision. They literally cannot make it. And it's not, we always go to, why are they torturing this pet? And, but they're but that's not, not what's in their exactly. Head. That's right. not, they're not, they're no. not sitting at home, you know, enjoying the fact that their pet is, is struggling. They just, they literally cannot make that decision. And I've, I've gone through this myself now. I, I had a dog who had mobility issues and he probably had a spinal tumor and he had a lot of pain. And, and I did handfuls of medications. I did acupuncture. I did, um, you know, rehab and just trying to, to get him comfortable, but struggling with that decision is today the day he had a really bad day yesterday, but he might have a good day tomorrow. And he had a lot of muscle wasting and he, he fell, you know, he's so independent and he tried to go down the steps and he, gave himself a laceration and do I put him through the repair and blah. But in no moment did I ever think, this is so fun watching him suffer. Mm -hmm. And when we judge clients for not being able to make euthanasia decision, what we're doing is saying these clients are enjoying putting their pet through this. And so it's really hard to have that perspective, but 
we just need to talk about it. I think as staff, we kind of, you know, think we're the only ones and we just get bitter and Mm. and then we turn that into anger against the patient. I can't believe you had diarrhea again. Mm. And, And we just somehow you need to find it somewhere inside of you to have compassion for this owner that cannot make this decision. And, and my job is to make the patient as comfortable as I possibly can. And that's what I focus on. What do you think about quality of life scales? I've I've been more interested in them and helping people make decisions, Mm -hmm. right? It might be a little more objective way for them to look at a score or I I am a fan of those. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I don't think pets tell us when it's time <laughs> i think um, or at least they don't all exactly mm-hmm. I, and that's that's a hard thing but i don't like to put that blanket statement out there that your pet will tell you you'll right. know because that's a lot of burden on the I poor didn't pet know. for one it, thing exactly <laughs> but yeah. if i could look at a number from day to day or take pictures once a week because you'll start to see when you're looking at that animal every day you don't notice holy cow look at their muscle wasting holy mm-hmm. cow look at though their eyes are not bright anymore and so if you can and have as many of those objective kind of parameters as possible yeah. that's mm-hmm. only helpful i think i think we're getting now better in in evaluating that in cats it used yeah. to be that yeah. they were all defocused so we had not <laughs> as much information behind cats i think it, more information is coming out so that makes it easier i also think that a lot of owners cannot see yeah this yeah it, i totally agree because you know with if i take my d out <laughs> i see it walk and run and play and that sort of things i don't take my cat out <laughs> and see those things mm-hmm. so yeah. the cat is in the closet yeah. Yeah, but he's always in the closet, so yeah. that's normal. Yeah. And that he didn't come out for four weeks. Okay, Why does that your might cat live in the closet? I'm having a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> she loves the little closets, you know. She has a little thing that she can sit up, run around. Yola's play. allergic to cats. He I'm doesn't have a cat. Cats, you know, whatever, you know. So uh, this is a fictitious cat we're talking yeah, about. Got exactly. it. I love that you have a. But he has cat a make believe cat. I know. I have two that cats, by the way. Uh, no, not, oh, you not have that two you cats? Are. I do. Oh, oh, oh Yola's perked right up. <laughs> yeah, tell us about those cats. Um, so I have a brown and white tabby who is 12 years old, I think. He was abandoned as a kitten in someone's barn. And I think uh-huh. his mom was probably moving kittens and she mm. didn't get to him in time. And so yeah. someone thought he was abandoned. Uh. But he was about four weeks old. And he came into the hospital where I was working as this abandoned little kitten. And I said, I will take him, but only if he eats on his own. I am not bottle feeding. And so we put food in front of him and he just dove into it. Done. So he's a polydactyl little spitfire. And he was my only cat for a few years. And my dogs raised him. And so he used to wait at the door and go outside and go potty. He did not. I had a litter box for him and he never used it. And it was Mm. amazing. And... He thought he was a dog. And so he's a very social, like overly social, almost annoying yeah. <laughs> cat. Um, I can't believe mom said that. Yeah, no. He's well, a, cats that are not raised around other cats are different. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he is. Hopefully a in a good different. way. Yes. Um, because then my second cat, his name is Newman. Um, From and, the apple? Uh, from, from Paul. From Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Oh, Newman. That Newman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, does does your cat know he's named after that Newman? Um, he behaves <laughs> as such. Oh. He is a beautiful, medium hair, classic brown tabby, like with the spiral. And he has this like rabbit soft fur. He, he kind of, he has the longer hair, but there's no undercoat to it. And 
he was feral and his mom had been hit by a car and these three kittens came in and they were hissing in the back of the yeah. kennel and and now, the humane just, just stop yeah. right there there's something unbearably cute about oh, tiny yeah. kittens hissing yes about an eight week old <laughs> long-haired yeah, like yeah. poof of hair that's just hissing, hissing every it. time you Sorry, move yeah. it just it's so cute it it was and that's how i fell for it uh, the humane society said we will not take them if they're not socialized because obviously yeah. they won't get adopted and so i said all right I had a couple dogs. I had another cat. I had this wire dog D crate. <laughs> D crate? I said, I can put these three kittens in this large crate and they can just live in the middle of my house. They'll get socialized and then they can be adopted. Well, of course they had ringworm <laughs> and they gave ringworm to all of my pets. And then I had them all summer and I'm out doing lime sulfur dips on my back deck. And I'm just in the back of my head, no good deed goes ever goes unpunished. Here I have these kittens. And so... I bonded with these kittens, of course. And so when it was time to finally take them to the Humane Society, I said, someone will adopt two of them and there's going to be one left alone. And I, I'll just keep it. He's a weirdo. He literally lives under my bed up in the box spring. That's okay, she is both made for this cat that's in the cupboard. For your fictitious for cat my fictitious, in the closet. My cat. And now she has a cat that lives you under your- You made it sound like you lock your cat in the closet. <laughs> I do not lock my cat under sure. the bed. He comes out when the sun goes down. Really? Um, he He's is nine years old and I cannot pick him up. You've never seen him in daylight? <laughs> no, he'll come wandering out and he sees me and he stops like he's never met me before and yeah. he runs back under yeah. the bed. He's yeah. bonded with my other pets. He's bonded with with Hurley, my other cat. He loves my D. He weaves in between her legs and like headbutts her face, but he does not trust yeah. me. Um, I can pet him when he's eating. But that's it. So yeah, he's the kind one of that a weirdo. Lime sulfur. <laughs> no, he no. will never trust me. But no. it has been almost ten years. Yeah, I know. it doesn't. You care. know, it just shows you. It reminds me that they say that cats are loosely domesticated. Uh, yes, that's a good word. <laughs> so they can revert to wild in a generation. Mm -hmm. Like it's they're just Absolutely. a generation away. Mm. Yes, from, I from wild had a technician that I worked with for years, and she was fond of saying cats would benefit from another fifty thousand years of evolution yeah. because yeah. they're yeah. they're still yeah. wild. loosely domesticated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. some looser than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's very true. Yeah, it's very true. And I I think it's really helpful to own pets of your own. So. Um, for example, when I do lectures on diabetes, I mm -hmm. you know I would say to the audience, not that I wish a diabetic cat on you, but if you ever have a diabetic cat, you will know so much more about this disease, right? <laughs> but just in general, those of us working in the profession, I think you maybe you just understand um, those softer aspects mm -hmm. of ownership a little bit better mm -hmm. if you have pets of your own. Ab right? Absolutely, yeah. And I, it always helps when you're giving discharge instructions to yeah. a client to say, I've tried this with my own, you know, my, both of my cats are male and I just moved them across the country and I was terrified that they were going to get idiopathic cystitis yeah. and they were going to block because yeah, yeah. they lived in the car for three days and I was just, you know, like pouring gabapentin on top of them, like, please <laughs> don't stress. But I put out ice cube trays full of water and that's what they drink out of. And I put an extra dog bowl of dog water in the dog crate. My dog doesn't drink it, but my cats because they think it's not for them, go in there and drink it. And no. So, you know, just those little tips that you learn, yeah. you can pass those along. And I think it just yeah. makes you a better professional that you have those stories. Okay, get a cat, drive 
your three days over three days through America. It was amazing. What else? Yeah. <laughs> and and you survived. Yeah. Yes, that was wow. stressful, but uh, it it worked. I gabapentin and trazodone. Yeah, everyone slept yeah. except me. It yeah, that's great. right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So fortunately, you were not on gabapentin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I bet you have a few tips on uh, transporting your cat by car. I do. If anybody needs to get in touch about driving across the country with two cats, I put them in a canvas dog carrier. Yeah. And I just kept them in there. They had a litter box and I only fed them. It's terrible, but they survived half a can of food morning and night. And yeah. I would mix the gabapentin in that, but they were hungry. Yeah. They would eat it. Yeah. But of course it was November and I'm driving through Wyoming and it's negative 20. And so I'd have to take that whole <laughs> crate out of the back of my car, walking into a hotel room. <laughs> oh, it wow. was, it was pretty crazy, but we did it and it was great. <laughs> oh, I can, don't it. abandon but, your pets. Don't yeah, leave them behind. The you can pictures, drug yeah. them and move yeah. them across the country. Yeah. <laughs> Better living through chemistry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that you have um, quite a bit of responsibility, it sounds like, for training uh, future generations of veterinary technicians, mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested. So you, you actually, you are only the second veterinary technician we've had, right? I think you're number two. Ooh, we have Kara Burns. Oh, Burns. Kara Burns was number one. She was she terrified was of us. Amazing. She was. Yeah. She was terrified. She was, what are you going to do? She was terrified. <laughs> what are you going to do? To me? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're really nice. Yeah, we're really nice. Kara, we're really nice. Yeah, Yeah, we are very nice. (laughs) So you're number two. And so, and I think we had the same discussion with with, uh, Kara. So I'm interested in what you see as the future evolving role. Because it's an, it's a, I think it's a rapidly evolving Mm -hmm. role actually of technicians. So I'd like to hear what you think about that. Where are we going? Where should Um, we go? I want to go to this profession being recognized as a profession. Yeah. that's that's the struggle right now is is we have we're we're really at a crossroads with this to can we mandate that technicians have to be credentialed to do this job and it, you know we have been considered the girls in the back for so long and it's been something oh you like animals you can be a veterinary technician and we haven't been able to say this is a you know a rigorous program of of physiology and anatomy and pharmacology and you know so I think demanding respect and actually making this a true profession for people and um, we can't say that without talking about money and we can't say that without talking about licensing and there's so much that goes into it but that's where I want to see us go there are some exciting thoughts in the future of creating this, you know, kind of physician's assistant type Mm -hmm. role for technicians, but we can't talk about that until we talk about getting them licensed and and having enough schools and and having the respect of, you know, rural veterinarians that want to hire credentialed technicians to do this job. Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge reason of why I do what I do is that I want people to see how valuable technicians are to the medical team. And we have a very specific job and we free up veterinarians to do more. There Mm -hmm. are very specific tasks that can be done by technicians that free up veterinarians to see more clients, to make more money um, so that we can be paid more so that we can get more respect. We can have more responsibility. It's just a big circle and and that's where I want to see us go. We have such a, a wide range of what's in the workforce right now, all the mm-hmm. way from um, not as skilled, uncredentialed mm-hmm. people uh, working in the veterinary, uh, maybe assistant role is a better mm-hmm. word than technician role, yeah. all the way up to technicians who are now uh, specialized yep. 
you know, technicians now can be as specialized or more specialized than the veterinarians they work for yeah. in many cases. So it's such a wide gamut right now. Yes. It'd be nice to see that tighten up. <laughs> exactly. And at least and bring the bottom end up. That's that's what I want to do. I, I am a veterinary technician specialist myself, and that has done a lot for my confidence and and my career and, and my kind of how I see myself with a veterinary team. But yeah, I want to pull that bottom up. I love assistance. I have worked with amazing technician and veterinary assistants. And I think they definitely have their role, but right now it's so muddy Hmm. between what a very skilled assistant is doing and what a not so skilled technician is doing. And we need to be able to define that a little better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you then think about nurse practitioners? Uh, I I look at anesthesia. Mm Um, I look at what those VTS anesthesia technicians can do with creating protocols. And I think that's an area that we could kind of work on. Um, I also look at what technicians in emergency are doing with triage and mm-hmm. urgent care versus true emergency. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking at, you know, this is an anal gland abscess. <laughs> Here is, you know, what I think we can do for this. Some of these very basic broken toenails and, um, you know, routine ear infections, routine skin infections, um, routine GI upset that, you know, oftentimes just need some sub-Q fluids and some time. And um, it's really muddy and it's really hard to kind of think about that, but I would love to see it evolve into that um, where, where a patient could see a technician who could get the ball rolling on things or could mm-hmm. maybe even start ordering the diagnostics that could then be reviewed somewhere so that we can just, you know, keep some of these urgent care things over here with technicians and then the true heart failure and massive traumas. And, you know, those are going to go into the actual hospital. Yeah, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that you say that because mm-hmm. I think the the main limitation to nurse practitioners is really the veterinary healthcare team themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not the client because the clients, right. when, you know, when you go to a doctor, you don't see the doctor until you talk with the nurse practitioner. So Correct. They, they, they are used to that idea. It's just us not being able to one delegate or let go because mm-hmm. there's some things that we want to keep doing. <laughs> uh, and, and when I do my lectures, I always talk about, uh, I let my students do the suturing. Mm-hmm. But I don't let my nurses to do the studio. And I know that they're better than I am in it. In it. And so why don't I? Why? And, and, yeah. and so there's a, one is the limitation. Sometimes it's the law. But yeah. most mm-hmm. time it's our limitation of seeing the potential that people have mm-hmm. and using that potential and then also creating a job that people really like to do because they get that potential. Yeah. And I, I see it happening. You know, our internal medicine department, those technicians see tech appointments and they're doing Mm -hmm. rechecks for, you know, medication levels or they're seeing I-131 cats come back um, and just, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I don't work in internal medicine, but Mm. they're drawing blood and they're able to submit those tests. And then the veterinarian is going to review those and call the client um, in general practice for a lot of, you know, the booster vaccines. You come in for your very first puppy exam and you're going to see the veterinarian, but then every three weeks you come back and see a technician. Mm. And there are some practices that are doing a great job with that. And those technicians have autonomy and they're they're you know doing a basic physical exam and saying yeah this puppy's eating and drinking and feeling good we can go ahead and and booster this vaccine and they're educating the clients on what needs to happen next and if we can take that and run with it and implement that in more practices 
that's, I think, where we start with yep. this. And we're not going anywhere close to outside the Practice Act. We're just utilizing these technicians for what they can do. And when I was working in Colorado, oh, we're getting a message. Um, <laughs> uh, when we're working, uh, when I was working in Colorado uh, at the, the oncology service there, I mean, the nurses, they almost did everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they gave the chemo, they worked. You know, looked at the patient in the beginning. They ordered the, the you know, the blood work already, mm-hmm. so the doctor could. And we had such a high caseload that that was done, and they yeah. did such an awesome job. So yeah. I totally agree with you. Oh, and I, <laughs> this is Susan now sending a message. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah, I think. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think that 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 is really uh, the the key, uh, and and just give him the trust. Yeah. That's that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Mm. We're ready. I, I know in, in, in other countries too, um, and by other countries I mean overseas, I also see or hear at least of technicians who will run clinics, so specific clinics like, for example, obesity clinics, mm-hmm. right? So the veterinarian might see the patient initially, work out the plan, make sure there's in concurrent diseases, all of that, yep. right? But then all but then the rest of the clinic yep. is run by vet nurses or vet technicians. Absolutely. Right? Because you don't necessarily need a, a veterinarian in every time to like weigh the pet and exactly go over the owner issues and go over the nutrition plan. Mm-hmm. That's something that very specific often that that nurses or technicians actually do better than veterinarians. Yeah. Right. So I um so I, I think we I think we need to think more about things like that too. Agreed. Where we can uh, run these very specialized types of clinics and have have owners be happy yeah. because they'll probably get more time and more attention with exactly. nurse or technician appointments. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. And that that just encourages those technicians more. Like that feeds us, makes us feel like I'm contributing, yeah. I'm doing more than just following orders. And that's that's the key to longevity in this profession. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Hopefully so it's a rosy future. Let's, yes. <laughs> let's finish a little bit with the positive thing. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the judging and mm-hmm. now you gave such a strong message about being positive. Yes. Um, I, I connect it to dog training. Um, we all understand, and I, okay, cat training. I've trained my cats to stay off the counters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's um, something. And it takes repetition, and you have to do it over and over yeah. and over again. And when I see them up there, I put them on the floor, and they get food. And they only get rewarded if they're on the floor. And I try really hard not to leave food out on the counter mm-hmm. so that yeah. they're rewarded up there. But it's repetition. It's positive reinforcement. But it's doing something over and over and over again until you understand that that is what you should be doing. And our brains work the same way when it comes to having thoughts, either positive or negative. And when we come to work and we complain and we judge and this is so hard and these people are so stupid and I don't like this and this dog is barking and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, you train your brain to go to the negative place mm-hmm. and you're just miserable and it takes a lot of work to retrain your brain mm-hmm. to be positive. Mm-hmm. But you can do that. The more you do something, your synapses grow closer and closer together. And if you work really hard at being positive, that's going to be your go-to. So I can have a piece of chocolate every time yes. I'm positive? Every time you have a positive thought, you reward yourself. But you anyway. can retrain your brain. I do like chocolate. It would work. To be positive. And then have you can have as much chocolate yeah. as you want when you're positive yeah. all the time. But I, I really, truly, there is science behind that. That's not yeah. just Megan telling you to put a smile on your face. But mm-hmm. to just keep thinking 
They're doing the yeah. best they can. I'm assuming good intent. I, I really enjoy what I do. I have this opportunity to do this. I am trusted to do this. I love the people I work with. Um, that dog is so cute. That cat, it purred and it ate for me for not after not eating for seven days. I finally made a connection and, and remember those things and make those connections in your brain and you're just it's so much easier to be happy accentuate the positive <laughs> exactly it sounds so disney but it's true but it's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all yeah <laughs> so um a good note to end no on. I, I, I yeah I, I i love that i i think that that's wonderful and i think the last thing that you also said was it's allowed you're allowed to vent Mm-hmm. But don't do it as work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah. you know, you need to be able to talk about things that bother you, but have an adult beverage outside of work and keep those negative thoughts outside of work yeah. because it's it's that building, it's that environment that you're going to get sucked into it. And if everybody in the workplace is trying to be positive and if everybody agrees that we're just not going to complain while we're here, we're going to take that somewhere else then it's a lot easier to remain positive. And when you're positive, then your pets are happier. How many people, I know I've worked with that technician that gets bit by a cat once every three months because their energy level is so negative and and they're not thinking about what they're doing. And that's when that cat's going to figure that out. So Mm. just everybody is more positive, more relaxed, and it just, it goes across everything. It's the same coming in the door in the morning. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I noticed that myself, so... We, you don't want to bring into the into the building with you exactly. what, what's been happening at home or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I know there's been times in my life I've had to make that conscious decision at the building door and go, okay, it's, you know, I'm crossing a line. Yep. Let's, that stays outside so I don't bring it into the building. Exactly. Because I think we do bring, it, it's where we spend so much of our time, yep. right, at work. So we bring it in with us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the way around too, because you give that example of welcome to. Oh, yeah. When you come into work, especially in emergency, you're coming into a night shift or yeah. a swing shift. Yeah. And so you can walk in the door sometimes and just feel the anxiety. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, it's going to be all right. I'm going to work hard. We're going to get through it. And you walk in and a coworker turns to you and goes, welcome to hell. And then it just <laughs> ruins everything. And then I'm like, I don't want to be here. And I'm starting this 10 or 12 hour shift in a bad place. So I think we should just, just give out chocolate as you come in. I door. don't see why exactly. that's a problem. Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's the answer. Chocolate. So this has been wonderful. Oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much for, so much to talk about. I know <laughs> we keep we can keep on talking and talking and talking. So we need to get you back. We say that to most of our guests. We I do, guess, you know, because yeah. it's just we're kind of talkative ourselves. So yeah. we love to talk about. <laughs> we things, do. But, you know, we we try to keep it that uh, you know twenty minutes uh, each oh. time, twenty five minutes. Okay. So, uh, but we really appreciate you being thank here. Thank you so much. Thank you for your insights, and I hope people enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, and uh, and good luck with that next VMX award. I know. <laughs> I'll work we're on that. voting for you. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at HerPodcast. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, 
and August consultations in feline internal medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yerla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. 